0: There was a family. They played together and laughed together. But they weren't completely alike. And as they grew older, their opinions widened and they distanced from each other. Conversations became heated. Reunions became more and more uncomfortable. They thought they were meant for each other won thinking of one another brother aligned against sister never thinking just for one second birthdays were ignored gathering stopped we because each them. had to be right we don't want there oh no we don't want there we don't want there we don't want, them. We don't want There was a family. So we're in this series called He Gets Us. The question we've been asking is, does Jesus, the guy who lived 2,000 years ago and his story is recorded for us in four gospel accounts, does this guy who died on a cross because he claimed to be the God of the entire universe, the very word that was spoken at creation, does this guy, Jesus, understand me? And does he understand you? And if he does, what does that mean? Does does he get us? Does he understand us? When I was 12 or 13 years old, um, I went on a father-son trip. It was a father-son baseball trip. It was with this church. I, I grew up in this church, and uh, we had this father-son trip down to Baltimore to go see the, the Orioles play the Yankees, all right? And so we went down. I was with all my, my buddies, and my brother was with his buddies, and my father was on the trip, and we went to the game, and it was a great game. And then we went home, and we got to the, back to the hotel room really late, and um, I slept in a different hotel room than my father. Um, I I was with my my buddies, I had a sleeping bag on the floor, and the next morning, I woke up around 11.30 a.m. or 12, which is really odd, right? I've never done that, basically. I woke up, I I think the cleaning lady was knocking on the door, and so I woke up, and nobody was in the hotel room. Where is everybody? I, I went to the next hotel room where my dad is, and I knocked on the door, and no answer, And I start to realize, I wonder, did everybody leave me? And I went down to the hotel lobby. Maybe they ate breakfast, and I went down there, and there was nobody that I knew in the hotel lobby, and I looked all around in the different rooms, and there was nobody there. And I I started to panic, you know? So I went back up to the hotel room. Maybe I'm mistaken. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? And and then I went back down to the hotel lobby, and, and there was, you remember those little calling cards? you get from sam's club and you like have to like type in like 20 digits to get like uh, the ability to type in your phone number and so I, I used one of those to call my mom back in syracuse and i said hey mom i don't know where anybody is i'm back at the hotel uh, uh, i don't know where dad is and this is a father-son trip right <laughs> and um i, I uh she's, she says okay stay in the hotel lobby i'm gonna I'm going to call dad. So she calls him on the cell phone, and he doesn't answer his phone. So she calls John uh, Elmer, the, the founding pastor, and, and he says, uh, hey, Kate, what's going on? And she says, well, Chris is back at the hotel room, and nobody knows, you know, what's going on? Where, where are you guys? And they were at the aquarium. And, and my, my dad was taking a picture with the whale in the back. And so John comes over with the phone and he says, hey, uh, Kate's on the phone, it's really important. And, And my dad, he takes the phone and there's this picture we have of, I couldn't find it, I was really sad. But there's this picture we have of him with his phone up to his ear and the whale is in the back, right? And he's learning that I'm back at the hotel. Family gets complicated sometimes, doesn't it? family is one of the most difficult things to do in the world. Whether it's your own nuclear family or your extended family. Wait, wait. Why do people call it nuclear? Is it because it's about to explode? (laughs) Family is complicated. Because in family, each of us has different expectations. We want to Uh, look, like our family is something, like it's going to be something, like we want it to be something for us. And these aren't always bad expectations, but usually different people in the family have different expectations. Based on our personalities, based on how we've lived, based on our experiences, based on our dreams, we treat family differently. And with family, it's difficult because you cannot control people. Have you ever tried to control people? It never works out the way we want it to. In the Bible, we see a a bunch of different families. Actually, the first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve. Oh, was that me? Ah, That might have been me. Adam and Eve are in the Bible, and uh, uh, they have their first family. They have these two guys, Cain and Abel. This is the first go we have at the family. It's like the model home on the on the the place where you're gonna build all those homes. Like this is the one shot we got to do it right. Have you ever walked in one of those model homes and you like push something over and it like falls down, right? Well, that's like this model family. Adam and Eve, they have Cain and Abel. And right off the bat, in chapter 4 of the Bible, we see that Cain kills Abel. One of the brothers kills the other. This is how we're going to start off. Let's try it again. We have this righteous guy named Noah and his family. And Noah starts off right. He gets all of his family into the ark, his daughter-in-laws with his sons and his wife, and they, they make it through this big storm, through the big flood, make it to the other side. And when he gets off the boat, he plants a vineyard, and Noah gets drunk, the Bible says. He gets drunk, and then he lies naked in his tent. And one of his kids sees him naked in his tent and tells the other brothers, and because of this scenario, Noah decides to curse that one son. What? That's what the Bible tells us. It, it tells us that Noah's decision was to curse his son because he saw him naked and didn't do anything about it. What? Whose fault was it that somebody was naked in the tent? It was Noah's fault. Nobody asked him to get drunk and be in the tent. This is a broken family. Then we have Abraham and Sarah. Now Abraham and Sarah are where we, we are told that they are going to be the, the family through which all other families on heaven, uh, in heaven and on earth are blessed. Abe and Sarah, but the problem is they don't have kids. How are they going to bless anybody? And so to rush the timeline along, Sarah decides to take things into her own hands, and she decides, hey, Abraham, why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? In this non-consensual act, Abraham has sex with Hagar. They have a child, Ishmael, and Ishmael is at, is at arms with their other son, Isaac, when he comes along. Isaac has a, a son named Jacob, and, and Jacob and Esau don't get along very well, and, and Jacob and Isaac's mom, Rebecca, they, they connive to get Jacob the blessing instead of Esau, and Esau's out. Jacob runs away to his uncle Laban's house and Laban and and Jacob they work together for seven years and they have this deal let me marry Rachel your youngest daughter in seven years I'll marry her and on the night of the wedding Laban sneaks his daughter Leah into the tent this is the story that we tell in the Bible aren't you guys comforted this, uh, is, these are the families that's going to be used to bring the blessing that God has for the entire world. Can we uh, feel better about our situation for a second? Let's all take a deep breath. Whew. Oh, it's so good. Thank you, Jesus. These are the, these are the families. Can you, can you imagine if they were better than this? We would be like, oh, no. Jacob's kids, one of them, Get sold into slavery by the others Some of us may be encouraged when we look at this this family situation One of the very interesting things that we see in the Bible too is that Jesus himself Had a family now Jesus and God they're they're the first and second people person's inside of the Trinity, right? So Jesus and God are creating this plan from the beginning of time to save the world, to to redeem things, to make things new. And Jesus and God and their plan for this, they decide that Jesus is going to be sent to earth in order on this rescue mission. And part of the plan of the rescue mission, incredibly so, is that he is going to be placed into a family, He's going to be put into a family. He's going to be born into a family. We just went through Christmas, and we looked at Jesus' humanity. We looked at uh, Mary and Joseph. This this really tough situation that Jesus is born into, where Joseph was about to divorce Mary quietly, but is, is... uh visited by an angel who tells him no this is from the holy spirit you should marry her and he marries her and then they're but they're married into poverty we see that they give the lowest gift that they can give at the temple by law they're they're in poverty now, a couple um maybe a year or so later we don't know but they're threatened by herod the the king of their region And Herod tries to kill all the boys of Jesus' age in that town, and so they're forced to flee to Egypt. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they get everything that they can carry on their backs, and they, they run for their lives to Egypt, and they live for a while in Egypt. Scholars think until the age of 10, Jesus lived in Egypt as a refugee kid. Then he moves back to a town called Nazareth. And Nazareth is known in the Bible for being the place that nothing good comes from there. This is Jesus' family situation. And to make things even more complex, Mary and Joseph decide to have more kids. Now, do kids fix things ever? We kind of think that they're going to fix things, right? Some of us, we like... like, we're having a tough time in our relationship, so let's have a kid, right? And <laughs> do kids ever fix anything? Thank you. All right, just so we're clear. the Kids don't fix anything. They break things, right? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus has a bunch of other siblings, he have James and Joseph and Simon and Jude, as well as his sisters who are unnamed. All of this is to say that Family was complicated for Jesus, too. Jesus knew what it was like to be part of a family. A family just like you and me. Stepbrothers, stepsisters, a stepfather. Jesus knew what it was like. Sometimes, maybe there wasn't enough food. Have you ever elbowed at the table with your sibling to get the extras? Maybe there were uh, fights or arguments amongst the parents, of Mary and Joseph, on how to raise the kids well. There were certainly complications with extended family. Do you have any of those? One of my frustrations with the Bible, however, is that, that, that Jesus' life between the ages of 3 and 30 aren't really recorded. It's like, really, they, they, the gospel writers missed it. I got to tell you. Like, they they could have recorded a lot more about Jesus' life because this would have been very interesting stuff. This would have been bestseller material. But they missed it, and, and so we're forced to speculate about Jesus' childhood, except we have one story. So let's read it together. It's in um, uh, chapter 2 of uh, Luke, and Jesus is 12 years old. It says, They go as a family to the festival in Jerusalem. And it says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, but then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they could not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them. And asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. But when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Then his answer is super interesting. Look at this. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. This is the one story we have of Jesus' life. From it, we can tell that Jesus is in between two worlds. He knows that he's got two families that he's managing. Have you ever had two families that you're managing? Maybe you grew up in a divorced home, and you know, you can, you got a Manage the two things, right? Jesus had two families that he's managing. He has his father in heaven. And he has this earthly family, these earthly parents that he's trying to manage. He's trying to be a child of. We see that he's obedient to them. Then we don't know much after this. Between now, age 12, and age 30, we don't see anything. But we do know that Joseph... Jesus' father dies during this time. And Jesus is the eldest of the family. And the eldest of the family, the eldest male, had a lot of responsibility once, you know, the, the patriarch of the family passed away. And so he would have been the apprentice of Joseph. And then he would have taken over the family business. He would have been the face of the family business for a while. He would have been the face of the family, made decisions that were hard. Been expected to make ends meet at home. But we also know that probably, you know, uh, during a time where it was inconvenient for his family, Jesus leaves. He leaves to become a rabbi, he leaves to go on this mission that God has put him on to go and be baptized by John and then choose his disciples, start his ministry at the age of 30. We also know because of the statements that Jesus said in the Gospels concerning his family that things were complicated with him. Look at Mark chapter 6. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. A prophet gets honor everywhere he goes except in his hometown. It never works out because everybody knows you, right? In your hometown, everybody knows who you are because you grew up there and they have their version of you, and it was uh, of the 12-year-old Jesus or the 8-year-old Jesus. They peg you for that. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. You could tell from this statement that it was hard to go home for holidays for Jesus. It's a sore spot for him that his family doesn't really recognize things. Or maybe they bring up the topics that are really sore or hard. Have you ever gone home and you know what's going to be talked about? You know, like, the, the, that Uncle Tony's going to bring up, you know, how you didn't, you know, like, you went to school for four years for art school, and now you're working as a, a barista, right? That, like, somebody's going to talk about that, how you're in debt for $100,000, and how you're going to pay it off as an artist, and what, you know, like, that's the, that's the conversation. And I would imagine that Jesus is going to have that same conversation. I mean, he's homeless. He's left the family home, he's left the family business, he's on his own, and he's getting this ragtag group of disciples around him. Why would you choose that guy? You really think you're going to make it with with Matthew, the tax collector Jesus? And it seems like his relationships with his brothers are frayed. We see in John chapter 7, verse 3 through 5, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee, leave this backwater region where we grew up, leave leave the northern region and go to the capital, go to Judea, Jerusalem, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world and look at this sentence at the end. For even his own brothers did not believe him. Has your family ever given you unsolicited advice? Has your brother or sister told you how to live? Now, why does Jesus' family react in the way that they do? Are they evil people? No. They love Jesus. They love him. And actually, they just want the best for him. They want him to grow up and have a, have a wife and kids and, and go and, 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 and make the family uh, uh, name greater. And, and this is a, a good family that we're from. We're from the line of David. Come on, man. We got to do things the right way. They love him. They have a certain expectation of how family should be and, and should, should work. In other words, they have fear that Jesus isn't going to add up to their expectation. And when you have fear and you can't really put a name on it, what do we call that? That's anxiety. And family anxiety pervades all of our family systems. We live in the midst of family anxiety because there's a little bit of fear that you're not going to add up or that, 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 that you've been smoking weed a little bit too much or what you know, whatever it is, right? This is the, the fear of, about the kids going to grow up and be, be a little bit different. How do, how do we do this? And, and, and parents are thinking from birth about how they can help the child grow, right? Uh, Angie and I are doing this, and we're, we're, this is scary stuff. This is real stuff. And we have a little bit of anxiety sometimes. And when we have a little bit of anxiety, we act out of that anxiety and we say things that aren't really helpful for the family. When family gets complicated or shows its anxiety, what do we do? We fight or we run away. We flight. When family gets complicated, we fight or flight. When my family gives me unsolicited advice, what do I do? I argue with them or I don't talk with them for a while. Those are my two reactions. That's what I do. I, I don't want to talk with you. I don't want to see you anymore. I'm going to avoid you. You know, I don't want to be around you. This is too close to home. Please don't talk to me about that. This is hard right now. I don't want to see you right now. We fight or flight. But Jesus rejected this anxiety. Jesus rejected. He wasn't defined by the anxiety that his family was consistently trying to put on him. What we see in the Gospels is we see little snapshots of Jesus with his family, and we see him time and time again. They, they come to him, and they'd like him to change a little bit. They'd like to control him. They'd like to, uh, you know, uh, 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 Jesus, come, just come on. Let's rein you in a little bit. And Jesus does not be defined by this anxiety. Look at how he responds to his brothers. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here, for you any time will do. He's, he responds to the sa- in the same way to his mother at the wedding in Cana. She comes to him, hey, hey, Jesus, they've run out of wine. We got to do something about it. He says, woman, my, the hour has not yet come. We're not going to act out of anxiety. We're not going to do things rashly. I'm not going to be controlled or or defined by the anxiety, the fear that we have as a family. Jesus experienced the same complications in family that you and I do. He experienced brokenness in family and, and goodness in family. He experienced it all. we're memorizing this verse. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. We don't have a Jesus who doesn't understand us. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all. But what's the last little part? All but sin. He didn't experience it. He didn't react out of anxiety. When you and I act out of the anxiety that we feel from our families, what do we do? We, we sin, don't we? We yell. We get defensive and we say something we regret. Or we just, we just plain old disown for a while. We turn our back and we don't want relationship with them anymore. How do we respond in the way that Jesus did to the pressures that we face? How do we respond to the parenting pressures? How do we raise these little kids to come to grow up to be, you know, r- r- responsible human beings? How do we uh, uh, respond to the, to the influences of our parents or our brothers and sisters that have a little bit of anxiety with them, a little bit of fear with them? How can we do things the way that Jesus did? We can reject the family anxiety like Jesus. How do we do that? Number one, we need, you and I need to understand our true belonging. Jesus understood from a very, very young age where he truly belonged, who his, who his true identity was with. We just read that temple. You know, scene that imagery of Jesus as a 12 year old going to the temple. You know, he's, he's gone off and he's with the, the people of the temple and he's talking about theological things. He's talking about God and everybody's amazed. And his parents find him three days later and they're worried out of control. Why have you treated us like this? She says anxiously. Why have you treated us like this? And Jesus responds. He said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus understood even from a very young age that God, the creator of all things, was his true father, his true daddy. And he teaches you and I to treat that father like he's our own. He says, when you pray, this is how I'd like you to say it, our father our father who is in heaven he's your daddy and my daddy he's our abba he's our daddy we need to treat him like this he's the, he is our true home and he understands that even though his family is his family mary and joseph are his parents that, that his relationship with god supersedes his relationship with family That's a pretty big thing. His relationship with God is more important than his relationship with his human family. Let me ask you this. This is a little bit close to home. Is this how you see your family situation? Do you see your relationship with God as superseding that of your family? What do we say in the United States? We say family first. Family first, then God second, or, or then, you know, church, or then, what, you know, whatever the priorities, then work. We say family first. Jesus would say that our relationship with God must be first. He says in Luke chapter 14, 26, all these disciples are coming to him. And it says, if anyone comes to me to try to follow me and does not hate, now when he says hate, that's like a little bit of hyperbolic, okay? When, when, when a rabbi or in the, in the Jewish custom, this hate might be more, uh, better translated as to love less. If anyone comes to me and does not love less, his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. These words should rattle us. They can we can't follow him really well. We can't follow him well. It's not gonna work out. And this relationship between Jesus and us, if we will not love our family a little bit less than Jesus. We need to put God first. If we're gonna be family first, it's not going to work out. Jesus says. How do we put our family first normally? Oftentimes. We put our kids' education or kids' sports first, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday now, right? And then you go back for doubles, and and it's like it can be all-consuming. Or we got the the kids' education, and we got to focus on that. We got to focus on that. Let me just reorient us a little bit. Do you know that God is your kid's father? Let's think. Do you know that God is your kid's father? This should shake the, 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 the whole business of what we do as parents. This should reorient and reprioritize how we parent because God, the the creator of the universe, is your kid's father, and and from beginning, you know, from the, the, from when they're wearing pampers, we're thinking about what they're going to do in life, what, how they're, how we can get them ready, and, 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 and and it's true. Oftentimes, your parents, our, my parents, they understand our passions, they, they understand our personality, how we're wired really well, but But don't you guys know that God has a purpose for your kids that's even bigger and greater and and higher than you could ever think or imagine for your own kids? God is your kid's true father, He's my true father, He's your true father. And so when we know where we truly belong with God, we can make decisions that are a little bit further away from our family. We don't have to take on the the anxiety of family that they have for us. Now, family is super important, and Jesus values it in the Gospels. We see him value family. Do not get me wrong. He's not saying you should trash your family. You should walk away from your family. Actually, Jesus stayed in relationship with his family, even when they disagreed with him. But he rejected the anxiety that they put on him. Another time, Jesus rejected the family anxiety. He was teaching a crowd of his disciples at the beginning of his ministry, and Jesus' mother and brother arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are looking for you. He asks, who are my mother And who are my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. You see, Jesus understood that God was making a new family. That anybody who called God their true father was adopted into a family that when we went through Jesus to God, that he was adopting us in. And, and let's just take a moment at the sites too. Let's just take a moment and look around. Everybody, Nobody's looking around. This is, It's too awkward. Look around. These are, your, these are your, new, your, your new brothers and sisters. This is your new mother. This is what Jesus would say is our new family, our true belonging. It reorients things. When you and I are in a new relationship with God, we get adopted into a new family. Um, Avi and Damaris were just on stage uh, here at the State Fair site. There are new Vineyard Espanol site pastors, and, and they, uh, during their interviews, they said something that struck me. I, I, we said, How are you going to move across the country from California? Uh, How is this going to be for your young family? You know, you're going to be further away from your, your, uh, your, uh, your family uh, at the border. How is this going to work? And Marie said, since we've been married, Chris, we haven't been near our family. Wherever we've gone, the church community has become our family. And it struck me, like, these people are really doing the business of community. And Angie and I were just struck by it and challenged by it. How are we creating community here amongst our family, our true belonging? When we know where we truly belong, we can be okay no matter what happens. How did Jesus reject his family anxiety? Number two, he prayed for surprises. You and I need to pray for surprises. John, the author of God, the Gospel of John, writes, "For even his own brothers did not believe in him. This must have been a, a place of deep pain for Jesus when he would go home to his brothers, you know, but would you would, think about your brother or your sister? Would you believe in them if they started saying stuff like this? Yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> okay, you know. I, I'm, it, it makes sense that they didn't believe in him. But it must have been a, a spot of deep pain. They would make fun of him, it seems like. They would say, you know, are you just going to be the Messiah there? You got to go to Jerusalem. But I can imagine that Jesus prayed for his brothers and his sisters to come to the realization that Jesus, who was who he said he was, and you know what's an incredibly amazing thing is that we see in the New Testament that two of Jesus' brothers start following him. And they actually become leaders in the local church. Paul says that, that when he was getting uh, matriculated into the, into the discipleship of Jesus, when he was trying to become a Christian, he says that he went to Jerusalem in Galatians 1.19 and that he saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, he went to James, the brother of Jesus, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Wow. James ends up to be the writer of the book of James in the Bible. And then we see that another of, of Jesus's brother writes a letter in the, uh, the New Testament. It says, Jude, a, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. This is Jesus' other brother. Actually, one of the greatest evidences we have of Jesus' death and his resurrection is that his brothers started to believe that he was the Messiah. Because would you believe that your brother was the Messiah? These brothers actually put their lives on the line for Jesus and this truth. What an incredible joy, what an incredible surprise it must have been for Jesus. Jesus to see that two of his brothers followed him and became leaders in the local church. As we end, here and at the site, I recognize that there's a lot of pain around family. Most of the prayer requests that we receive are actually about family. There's just a lot of pain. Let's, for a moment, here at the, here, I just want to ask you this question, and in the sites, I just want to ask you this question. What would, what's a part of the deepest pain in your family? Maybe what's your biggest disappointment around family? And then I want, in light of that question, I want to challenge us for this action step this week. It says, I will pray for my family every day this week i will pray for my family and here's what i'd like to do is i in that spot of deepest pain of deepest rejection of deepest hurt, whatever it is what i'd like us to do is i'd like us to pray t- for those things jesus prayed for big things for his family i'd like to pray for big things for our family um here's how i'd like to close like just i'd like us to think about that thing and let's Let's pray together. Would you all stand with me here at, at this site and stand with me at the other sites? And let's just hold that thing in our hands as we're in reflection. You can come humbly before Jesus with this thing. He understands what it was like to be in family. Let's pray together. Jesus, there are things that we cannot control in our family situations. For some of us, there's deep, deep pain around the expectations that we had, Jesus, that fell flat. We recognize that you are our Abba Father, that that God is our Abba Father, and you are our brother, and we find our true belonging in the family of believers. But Jesus, would you you surprise us? I pray for a bunch of surprises in this room and the rooms at the sites. I pray for a ton of surprises uh, online this week, for f- people online who are feeling like family is just out of control, out of complicated. We can't do it anymore. Jesus, would you bring surprises in our midst? Would you give us the desires of our heart around family? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you here. God bless you at the sites. Throw your connection card in the bucket on the way out.